I always try to remember that where, you know, if you want to be confident, you know, it's not like you're always going to be confident. You have to take on these challenges, you know, push yourself, do scary things. That gives you confidence to go to the next level and do something even scarier. And you just keep stepping up from there. Welcome. This is the Hot Real Estate Investing Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping others through real estate investing. Our hosts interview guests from all aspects of real estate investing who generously share valuable experiences and advice. Whether you're starting out or an experienced investor, this is the show for you. Hello and how's it going? Welcome to the Hot Real Estate Investing Podcast, where I interview guests who want to help others investing in real estate. We keep these podcasts fun and full of value. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Looking forward to an amazing conversation with our guest, who I've personally known since 2019 and invested in one of his team's very first deals, where I nearly tripled my money in only 26 months, earning an IRR or internal rate of return of 62%. It is my pleasure to introduce Zach Happenstahl, the CEO and co-founder of Rise48 Equity and Rise48 Communities. Rise48 has completed over $1.8 billion in total transactions and purchased over 7,000 units since 2019, with $1.4 billion of assets under management in Phoenix and Dallas and still growing. Zach, buddy, thank you so much for tuning in or for joining me today. Yeah, no, thanks so much, Travis. Thanks for having me on the show, man. And yeah, if it wasn't for you, Travis, you invested in our first syndication. I was just trying to bootstrap that thing together and thank God you came in and believed in us. Otherwise, you may not have closed it. So appreciate it, man, and happy to be here. No, dude, I, I can't thank you enough, actually. Just, you know, great returns. You guys have a great company. Can you tell us, uh, our audience, a little bit more about yourself and your real estate focus? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so we just do exclusively, you know, value add multifamily. We don't do anything else. We're just focused in Phoenix. Now we recently expanded to Dallas. And a little bit of background on me, you know, I was born and raised in Phoenix, just grew up in like a lower, you know, middle class family, knew nothing about real estate, no connections, no family money. And, you know, probably like a lot of people went to school, got a degree, you know, I had a good W-2 paying job, but just, you know, wasn't satisfied. And so January 2018, I, I resigned. I lived off of savings for over a year to figure out how to create passive income. And I, I was looking at a lot of different real estate classes, probably like a lot of different people, you know, flipping homes, mobile home parks, self-storage. And I finally settled in and said, I want to do multifamily and I want to do syndication where I raise money from other investors, you know, leverage my time and energy to grow their money passively for them. And so, you know, we, it took 14 months to buy the first deal, Travis, since we started. And that was like a long grind. And then we started getting some traction, you know, we're able to start syndicating deals, you know, sell deals, you know, and then, and then started to really kind of snowball the momentum to now where we have, you know, our own vertically integrated property management company. We have our own construction management company. We have over, you know, 200 plus full-time W2 employees on, on full benefits. So we've been really blessed and fortunate to kind of scale, but, you know, I didn't come from that background. And so it's kind of, you know, just, you know, continue to grow, you know, reinvest everything and build the infrastructure is what we've been trying to do. Just wow, man. I mean, I mean, so short of amount of time, like, it's like so true that we underestimate what we can do in like five years, like from the time I've met you. And, you know, I remember going and looking at a 36 unit complex you guys had over by GCU yep. um, to where you guys are now is just it's phenomenal. The growth and, and really speaks a lot to your grind and grit and determination and all that you've been able to uh, do in just a short amount of time. So, uh, wow, that's all I got to say. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, thanks, Travis. Appreciate it, man. Um, so we do always start these show these podcasts off with some motivation, Zach. I don't know what more motivation yeah. could be than the story you just kind of shared, but uh, what is a motivational quote you'd like to share with us? Yeah, no. So there's a quote. So I remember this like in high school. I put this like as my you know my corny uh, graduation high school yearbook quote, but it's it's. It's um, it's it, the quote is that you you have to earn confidence, and it's and it's from Lance Armstrong. This is before Lance got busted with his whole doping thing. Okay, so but, but I really like because I I used to read his books a lot back then, and he would talk about how he had no confidence, things like that, and how you have to go through adversity, you know, push your comfort your your comfort zone, and you know, get through the grind, and that's the only way to achieve things. And when you do achieve them you earn confidence, right? And, and confidence, you know, confidence can expire, right? It's like you constantly, it's, it's like going to the gym, right? It's like you have to stay in the gym, constantly working out your muscles if you wanna, you know, stay strong, stay fit. And it's the same thing for your mind, you know, and, and your spirit, you know, you have to constantly be challenging yourself if you wanna maintain confidence and take on bigger challenges. So I always try to remember that where, you know, if you wanna be confident, you know, it's not like you're always gonna be confident. You have to take on these challenge, you know, push yourself, do scary things. That gives you confidence to, to go to the next level and do something even scarier. And you just keep stepping up from there. Yeah, I love it. Uh, really great quote. And I love Lance Armstrong, even with all the doping stuff that ultimately <laughs> yeah. happened. I was yeah. the same, I read some of his right. books. But yeah. um, when you talk about adversity, you know, I think so many people could see how quickly you rose and Rise 48 rose, but maybe share with our audience maybe those some of those early trials and tribulations that yeah. you had like you said you quit your job it took you so many months to be able to get that first deal and then it snowballed but we're like what were some of those struggles that you endured early on yeah yeah exactly I mean, yeah some some people may look at like you know our you know how many deals we bought and think oh they must have institutional money or zach is like a trust fund baby or has family money or something but it's not the case at all i mean you know, I was making more money than both my parents combined by the time I was 23, you know, in healthcare sales, you know, doing well, uh, making six figures. And so, you know, I was, you know, really trying to save my money. Well, I, I quit the job, you know, and I had, you know, almost 300K of savings. I had just relentlessly saved over the years, you know, from following the Dave Ramsey plan and, you know, getting a lot of bonuses, all that good stuff. And so, you know, it took 14 months to buy the first deal. And that's all I was doing, Travis. I was laser focused on this. And that was an empty feeling. There's a lot of days where you wake up and you go from making fat paychecks every two weeks to now your money is just, you know, burning up. You're know, like, and, and it goes so fast, right? And and it's like every day, you know, I've never been, I've always been type A. Like I wanna get up, I wanna be productive. I wanna make an impact, whether it's my job or my whatever team I'm a part of, I wanna bring value. And when you wake up and you don't have a boss, you don't have a supervisor, you don't have structure, there's nobody to hold you accountable. And you realize nobody really cares whether you fail or not. Nobody cares. Everybody has their own job, their own thing, right? So it's like, what do I do today to kind of move the needle? And it's very difficult. And, in, and when you're trying to pursue this multifamily thing, it's very intimidating. And when you don't know anybody and you don't have equity sources, you don't have a lot of money, then it, seems, it almost seems impossible. And it did seem impossible to me many days. And there was many days where I like mentally and emotionally quit because it's like, this is, what am I doing? Like, this is stupid. Um, but you just keep grinding it out. And, and as long as you stay focused on it, it's, it's a matter of when, you know, not if, as long as you don't quit. And so that was a lot. And then even after we bought the first deal, you know, I had to put all my money in the first deal. I, I had 165K left, I put 160 into the first deal. So I needed more money to keep, to keep going. I sold my house um, and made 120K. The next week after I sold it, I wired 100K non-refundable 
into a portfolio, which one of them was the Oak Tree deal that you invested in. Um, I was all in, you know, on, on that deal. Um, and I didn't make any money, Travis, for the first two and a half, three years. I was constantly in credit card debt, constantly trying to stay above water. Um, September of 2019, after I, you know, quote unquote, owned 35 million of real estate, I was dead broke and I had $12,000 of credit card debt. I had to go back and get a job. Okay, so I went back into healthcare, worked a full-time job for 18 months, did real estate at night. And so it was always a grind. It's not like you just buy an apartment, I'm rich, I'm financially free. You know, all that money is going to the investors. And, and until you actually execute a plan, you sell the deal, give the investor all their money back, catch them up on their preferred return, that's when you start to make money as a general partner. So any, just like any entrepreneur, entrepreneur or any business, there's a grind, there's adversity that you have to go through. Um, and, and even, you know, there's, there's constantly adversity. There's different dynamics and challenges now that you're, we're scaling a company. We've got, you know, so many employees and you've got different dynamics where people don't get along. You know, you have to fire some people, they're not doing their job. You've got competitors that are talking crap about you constantly. So it's just, there's all sure. kinds of stuff that comes in. There's into always you. something, yeah. There's yeah. always another hurdle to climb or something to overcome. And thank you so much for sharing that. I just think so often people think the most successful people in these businesses, it's just like you said, they're, they're from trust funds or just everything worked out perfectly for them. And like, I don't think enough people uh, know your story. And I've been fortunate enough to know you a long time. And I knew that story and invested in one of your first deals. And it's right. just, it's really amazing. Like you said, you weren't making money, but you were, you were managing multi-million dollar, you know, assets. And it wasn't until what now you guys have done 11 full cycle deals. It's like, now it's like those, that all that fruit, that 1% a day, um, has really finally all compounded. And now you're really seeing some of that hard work pay off. I'm sure. That, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's exactly right. It's like you just got to keep grinding. You don't have tangible evidence that you know you're making progress, but you just you you do what you think is right, right? And you just try to stay disciplined. And then yeah, it does pay off, just like with anything. Eventually, I love it. I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit behind, but I'm 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 gonna get there one of these days. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's all good, man. It's it's a long journey for sure. For sure. So transitioning into our main topic, Zach, you know, how can you help our audience of real estate investors? You know, um, what can what kind of other than the advice and everything? I mean, how yeah. can Rise 48 and, and Zach happens to help our audience? Yeah, I mean, I'm always happy to, you know, give advice um, if I can. I think the biggest thing that you need to know when you're trying to get into real estate is you need to identify exactly what is it that you want to do okay because when i try to get into it you can get this shiny object syndrome right in real estate because there's so many different paths you can go down like i was looking at flipping homes and then i want to do mobile home parks because i was discouraged because i looked at multifamily it seemed too competitive and saturated i said i missed the boat you know nothing makes sense you know I'm, i can't compete with these guys that's how i felt you know i felt inferior um, but I finally just laser focused and said, no, this is what I want to do. I don't care how competitive it is. So I identified I want to do multifamily. Then I identified syndication. Then I realized, okay, to do syndication, I need all these different pieces. You know, I need to be able to underwrite deals, raise money, have property management, manage relationships. And so I had to identify what are my strengths in the business? What do I like to do? And what do I hate doing? You know, what are my weaknesses? And how can I find somebody to partner with or somebody to work for me to fill my weaknesses in. And so you have to really self-reflect and be honest about your strengths and weaknesses and find your complementary uh, pieces because that will get you ahead, right? And I think just in the beginning, you have to identify what is it that you actually want to do because a lot of people may think they want to be active. They realize you don't make any money for a long time and it's a ton of work. You may actually want to be passive and that's okay. You know what I mean? So I think it's just you have to identify what is it that you want to do and then realize, 
okay, what do I need to do to achieve that? And start taking those baby steps to get there and it'll, start, it'll all start to come together. And I always tell people that, you know, I'm both active and passive investor. It's like people think, yeah. you know, they hear mailbox money and I own a couple of rentals and short-term rentals and people think that's passive. And I'm like, no one that owns real estate thinks it's passive. And I was like, you know, it right. was a big aha moment for myself when I invested in your deal. And like I said, like 26 months later, I'm like, wow, that was really easy. And I didn't do anything and really almost paid because of the cost segregation, nothing in, in taxes. I was like, I'm on to something. I'm going to continue to double and triple my money doing these syndications. And then really now right. trying to do some of my own um, smaller deals right now. But, you know, hopefully being able to do some bigger deals while still passively investing in some of your deals. Um, I know I, we're in another deal together right, right now, 141 units in Phoenix area. But then also, you know, looking to be able to put more of my self-directed money into, you know, good syndications with yourself and other uh, general partners and other deals. Um, yeah. You know, you you mentioned you you went around you know mobile homes, different things, flick, flipping homes. What specifically was it about value add multifamily real estate that really just said you know this is it for me? Yeah, good good question, Travis. So I was looking at different things. Like when I was first, like I was pretty dialed in on on mobile home parks for like three four solid months, right? I was like cold calling these mobile home park owners. I had put together like a little prospectus, and I met with a couple of physicians that I knew to show them mobile home parks. Um, but what I was realizing, there's a couple things. One is that mobile home parks are harder to sell to investors than multifamily. They're just not as sexy. They're kind of run down. There's not as many of them, okay, as far as inventory. And when I got to the point where I like quit the job, Travis, and I was going through all the diversity, I told myself when I was, and I didn't know I was gonna do multifamily syndication, but I was searching what I wanted to do. I said, I got to the point where I like kind of got this chip on my shoulder where I was like, you know what, screw it. Whatever I'm gonna do, I want it to be so big that it's totally worth it. Like I wanna just be able to scale and become like a billionaire eventually. You know what I mean? And so when I was learning about all these things, I was like, wait a second, if I can raise money from other people, I have no ceiling because I can earn sweat equity and there's an unlimited amount of money out there, right? And, and there's an unlimited amount of multifamily for any one group to buy. And then I started learning about okay, how can I force appreciation? And I realized that mobile home parks, they're gonna have a ceiling on their rents, right? And it's a, it's a much lower ceiling. And, it's, and, and apartments will have a ceiling as well, but you have the bulk of the demographic living in apartment buildings. The demographic lives in mobile home parks much smaller. Okay, so when I was thinking about scaling, when I was thinking about how can I sell this to investors, what's attractive, you know, just the whole concept of increasing the value to get good returns. And then the tax benefits, you know, in general, you know, you can get, you know, more depreciation from my perspective on these on these apartment buildings because it's, you know, the real asset instead of, you know, just like personal property, like these mobile home parks can be considered sometimes. So it was a combination of all those things. I was trying to think long term, like to build a big company, you know, I want to stick to mobile homes or, or to, to apartment buildings. So that was, it was a combination of those factors. No, that's great. And then, I mean, when, uh, you know, you mentioned something like you thought you you missed the boat in 2019, 2018, right? So uh, ha has that boat sailed? Is it a Red Sea now? Should Would you advise someone to get into multifamily real estate investing right now or maybe wait? Thank you for listening to the Hot Real Estate Investing Podcast. Check out our website, hotrei.com, for additional content and resources. And please take a moment to subscribe and leave a review so we can continue to bring even more value to others through real estate investing.